Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. Of course, live Q&A. What's up, Golden Dragon? Letting everyone know first. Uh, first in chat for Golden Dragon. And, uh, of course, this is a news update slash Q&A. Let me know what you guys got. Ask all the questions. It's been a little while since we've conversated. So I'm looking forward to having interaction with every single one of you in chat. Uh, really excited about this episode. And Nathan Dickey says, I'm ready for week two, and I feel the exact same way. Ready to get the bad taste of the Chicago Bears game out of my mouth and straight into beating the Seattle Seahawks would definitely make me feel a lot better about this football team and just better in general because anytime you beat the Hawks, it's a good day for the team. And what's up, Mosquito Killer? How's it going? Always nice to see you. 49ers faithful forever. How's it going? Welcome to chat. Carson. What's up, Brad Jones? How's it going? Yeah, and Brad says I need some sensible ordinary therapy after week one. Yeah, that's what that's what we're gonna talk about here. And uh, right away, Carson's already getting into it with how many carries will Jordan Mason get? The key is, will Jordan Mason be the guy? Um, right now, Kyle Shanahan hasn't really tipped his hand to who the second string running back is gonna be. Jeff Wilson Jr. He spoke praisingly about Jeff Wilson Jr. still gonna continue to get those reps, but Jordan Mason. Uh, was the better special teams option for week one. Will he be the better overall running back option? I do have a clip to play of what Kyle Shinnan had to say about the running back room. Maybe it'll give a little bit of clarity before we get into exactly how many reps he's going to get. So here's Kyle Shanahan talking about the running back. Uh, running, um, both of them. I think they're very similar. Uh, they don't mess around. They get downhill. Um, two types of styles that we need and that we like. Um, but there's a lot more to... Um, playing football with us and just running with the ball. Can you adopt the ball 
is that passing game? Is that pass protection? That's special teams. That's lining up. That's blocking. That's um, um, every single part of the pass play. It's protection. Um, it's every single thing that goes into football when they don't have the ball in their hands. So Kyle's talking about the role that these running backs have to fill, and they're trying to figure it out. They're going to end up going with a hot hand uh, in this situation. It's going to be Jordan Mason or TDP that gets most of the reps. The Niners like a two-man rotation. They don't normally like to use more than that. I know that there's a lot of people that are pushing for them to give all three backs some options as well as Debo Samuel. Um, I think if Jordan Mason's the guy, he's going to get you know five to six carries in this football game, maybe more depending on how he does with the football in his hands. But I think Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to get the first run. I think they're going to sprinkle in some Debo Samuel. Plus, the way the Seattle Seahawks run defense, uh, going ahead and running on the interior could be a good sign for Jordan Mason as well. Because right off tackle, where that defensive end comes across, uh, that outside linebacker, there is a void that the 49ers could take advantage of. Denver tried, didn't execute at a high level. If the 49ers are able to execute at that point, if players like Ross Dweller are able to make the blocks that they need to make, the 49ers have avenues to be able to execute this run game and really get it going. So I think it could be about five or six carries in this football game. But if he gets rolling, uh, Kyle will stick with him. So I, I hope it ends up being more. If you've watched the Madden simulation, which is always fun to do, the Madden simulation has Jordan Mason making an impact in this game. So uh, take it from that, right? It's got to be fact if it happened there. And I'm going to go ahead and say what's up to everyone in chat that I didn't get to say what's up to yet. What's up, Shane? How's it going? David V, uh, always good to see you in chat. Donald Johnson, how's it going? Uh, welcome, BV50. Uh, yeah, you have been gone. Um, and then I'll address you know the, the other questions that you had later. What's up, Thomas? How's it going? Mr. Corey in chat. Jay Ellie, of course. Awesome. Now I'm going to get back to some of these questions uh, that are going on in chat because I want to make sure I get into them. It's been a while since we had a conversation. And uh, Shane says the same. What's up, man? I've been gone for a minute. Let's go, Niners. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, yeah, Golden Dragon saying I'm thinking a 98% chance of rain. I believe it is up to 80. So it's going to rain in this football game. 49ers won't have, of course, the same amount of rain they dealt with. Uh, that was one of the frustrating things. But it was like torrential downpours out there uh, that they were dealing with. But they're not going to have to deal with that now. Um, it's just going to be California rain. And California rain is never like Chicago rain or pretty much anywhere else in the country. Um Let's see. Ronnie says, how many rushing yards did the team average? Uh, the, the team overall had 177 on 37 carries. Uh, so you can do the map. I do not know the exact average of what that is, but it's a pretty good number. I mean, the getting anywhere near 200 yards rushing, when you rush the goals to rush it right between 30 and 40 times, that should put you in a good opportunity to win. Now, Nathan Dickey saying Jordan will get 10 touches. If he does... That means the 40 yards run game is going solid. Jordan Mason's getting positive yards on those carries. Uh, so I, I think that would be good. And and Donald says, hey, Ant, how have you been? I've been doing good. Uh, I've been enjoying putting out all the content and working with a lot of different people during the week. I've had a lot of fun, and it's exciting. I, I wish we would have won because I think the content would have been funner to put out there, and the interactions probably would have been a little bit better. But I'm enjoying myself overall. Uh, BV50 says, hey, I've been away for a while. I'm back. Where's Alex? Uh, same. Alex is he's been out as well. Yeah, job still is is something that he's dealing with. The time with that, also getting married in October, it has been overwhelming for him, and he's not able to record. So uh, Alex hasn't been on the channel for a while now. Um, so we'll see. I've I've had some contact with him. I'm actually meeting with him next week. 
So we'll see if Alex comes back at some point. Um, not sure yet on what his schedule looks like moving forward. Brad Jones says, have you watched all 22 yet? It was simple. The Niners beating the Niners and football guys not wanting to win as well. Yeah, I've watched the all 22. I really enjoyed watching the all 22 because it always gives you a good idea of what's going on in the field. Right away, the initial knee-jerk reaction for everyone that watches is to question players or question the play calling. It's usually the play calling. Kyle Shannon shouldn't have done this. Kyle Shannon shouldn't have done that. But then when you get into the film, you understand that there's execution issues. Now, those execution issues eventually fall onto Kyle Shanahan because he has to make sure that he has the players coached up to be able to do the things they're supposed to do or that he has the right personnel in there to get it done. So like when you see, for instance, Ross Dwelly miss a block on a play that should have got the 49ers at least 10 yards in the run game, you ask the question, why is Ross Dwelly in on that situation? I think that's a better question in the overall play calling. But you expect Ross Dwelly to be able to make that block. He's an NFL tight end. So I think sometimes you know that goes into it. But yeah, I mean, I don't really have a problem with the way the 49ers played as far as uh, you know, the, the game. The execution wasn't all the way there, but they had moments. They had players that stepped up. They just got to get it to where they execute together. Uh, the, tur- the, the turnovers and the penalties are the main problems for me. Other than that, you know, I've seen guys make a lot of really good plays, and I think you can feel comfortable with a lot of these guys playing better than even anticipated and young guys stepping up. So I don't think it's all bad for sure. Thomas says, any word on Keith Ishmael, uh, offensive guard signed to the practice squad? He started five games last year for Washington. Yeah, he's a guard center option, uh, and he can play both. And the interesting fact about him, Thomas, is the pick that the fifth-round pick the 49ers sent to Washington in exchange for Trent Williams in 2020 is what they drafted Keith Ishmael with. So the 49ers get that pick back. Now, he played at San Francisco Community College. He's a guy that's been from around here. So you, there's an understanding of who he is. He's athletic. Uh, he's got a pretty good size. So I'm sure they're taking a look at him. We'll see what he does. But it made sense to bring him in because you need to move on from a veteran uh, like uh, Keaton Sutherland and bring in a young guy because you wanted to bring in a veteran running back like Marlon Mack. And the 49ers wanted skilled players right now for those veteran spots. With Kamoko Trey going up to the main active roster, they were able to bring back Willie Sneed as well. Uh, but loading up, make sure they have depth just in case an injury happens. So overall, I've liked the way they've managed it so far. David Visa's 12 carries for 144 yards. If Jordan Mason gets 12 carries for 144 yards, the 49ers are winning the football game. And the question at that point is, why didn't he get the ball 20 times? Uh, so I would love that, David V. I hope you're Nostradamus and you're predicting it. Mr. Corey says, I don't want to see any of Jeff Wilson Jr. He had never looked the same in the games after this injury. Well, Mr. Corey, you should go watch the All-22 film because Jeff Wilson Jr. is not the problem on some of the plays. He would he had two chances to score a touchdown that went awry because of a missed block by an offensive player. The first one, Aaron Banks absolutely whiffs on a linebacker at the second level, and that guy stops Jeff Wilson Jr. short of getting to the goal line. And the other one, Jawan Jennings misses on Jaquan Brisker. Brisker lines up inside. Jennings just has to get his head in front, and he makes the block, and Jeff Wilson Jr. walks in for a touchdown. But he does it, and Brisker's able to get up, change the lane at which an angle at which Jeff Wilson Jr. is running, and an outside player ends up making helping make the tackle. So we can blame the runner. Yeah, 9 for 22 is not the answer. But let's see what happens if the execution is better and Jeff Wilson Jr. is allowed to get started. If he's allowed to get started, we'll see. Now, if he doesn't produce over the next couple of weeks, then Mr. Corey, you're going to be right. 
But I think let's let's move beyond that one sample size of Chicago in the rain with young guys potentially missing blocks. Um, those are not good ways to get it started. So I, I think uh, Nathan says Madden was awesome game. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed that. How's it going, Roy? Welcome to chat. I hope you're having a good one. Carson says, who will be targeted more, C. Ward or E-Man? I think it's going to be C. Ward. The, the way that the Chicago Bears attacked Tarverius Ward, it makes me think they're going to take chances. I think people are going to see what Ward can do uh, as far as physicality-wise, what he's allowed to get away with. If he's allowed to get away with you know, being physical with wide receivers, pulling and tugging, he's going to be hard to beat overall. And I think the Seahawks will try to test him. My my matchup for that, though, I want to see him against DK, that physicality between both players. Because DK is such a physically imposing player, a lot of times he doesn't get the calls. Uh, so I want to see that matchup overall. But I would think they would go after Tarverius Ward a little bit more, even though I believe they want to get DK matched up on Mosley because he's had success on him before. But this is not the same, the same um, Mosley either. So that's one good thing. Mosquito Kill is in a quarter of an inch predicted. That's actually a pretty good amount of rain, um, but not compared to, like you said, eight inches in Chicago. Uh, yeah. Mr. Corey says, after the NFC Championship game and the Bears, it feels like a year since we've seen a 49ers win. Yeah, thanks, Mr. Corey, for reminding me. Uh, yeah, we want to get a win here, and getting a win against Seattle definitely makes everybody feel good. You go to first place in the division. I think that is a good spot to be, so... I would love that. And BV says, do you think we'll see Matt get some carries Sunday? And I honestly don't know. I think it comes down to how quick can he pick up this offense? If he can pick up this offense and understand what his roles are, because Kyle Shanahan talks about how difficult it is. In fact, I'll play that clip here in a second. How difficult it is to be able to play running back in the 49ers system, just knowing where you're supposed to do or where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do, especially when the ball's not in your hand. Now, Mac is a, a veteran player, so he's going to have an understanding. But listen to what Kyle had to say about playing running back in his system without the ball in his hand. Everyone works at it, but that stuff's not easy. I mean, when you're switching um, Debo in and out of positions and switching backs to receiver and him to running back, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. And um, people even know it real well, still mess it up. So it's it's not something easy. Um, but that's what the pressure's on those guys to pick up faster than um, they planned on at the beginning. So that's where the difficulties come from. There's a lot of moving parts. Debo Samuel being involved in that as well. Just understanding what your role is inside the offense is difficult. So if Marlon Mack is able to pick it up, he's a definite uh, player I would like to have out there because I think you want one of the young players, whoever's been performing the best, whether it's Mason or TDP, and Mason had one last week according to special teams. And then you'd like a veteran like Marlon Mack who understands protections and understands what he's supposed to do from play to play just in case something happens to Jeff Wilson Jr., Something happens, you roll with Marlon Mack and say Jordan Mason, uh, and you're okay because you don't really want to dress four running backs for this game. You want to make sure you have players in other positions. So that's how I think they go about it. Uh, and what's up, David Villa? How's it going? I see you in chat. So I hope you're having a good one. Um, <laughs> time for the killer bees. I like this from David V. Brendel, Banks, and Burford to dominate. They're going to be tasked with a tall task of going against this Seattle Seahawks blitz game. The Seattle Seahawks blitz Russell Wilson like no other. And Chicago Bears didn't test that interior offensive line with blitzes at all. So that'll be interesting to see what their blitz pickup looks like, what their communication looks like. If Brendel can consistently handle, you know, moving the, the offensive lineman in the right directions with protections, maybe. Kilo Killer says, I believe it was Wilson's screen 
that should have got uh, 15 yards, and Banks and Brendel completely whiffed on blocks. Yeah, there were some missed blocks, especially in the second level on you know linebackers and things that didn't allow people to get jump started. The difference between like a Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, and somebody like Elijah Mitchell is Mitchell will make someone miss, but Mitchell is a a different level of talent than Jeff Wilson Jr. He's at a different level of talent than even Jordan Mason and TDP. Elijah Mitchell has that extra gear, that extra speed that the 49ers really don't have with any other running back minus Debo Samuel, so they make things happen. Jaylee says, week one, and the sky is falling. Have any screenshots to hold these people accountable for the trash they are spewing out? I have a few of different things that I've acquired, but, I mean, yeah, the, this is kind of what happens, especially with a, a week one loss. Whenever you don't get on the board with a W in that first week, it makes it difficult for people not to overreact right away. It feels horrible, especially when you have a team like Chicago Bears who everyone was expecting to defeat. But it's still football. And anytime you go out there, you run the risk of losing. Uh, I mean, I don't know if the you know the best team wins the Super Bowl every every year. It's the team that gets hot and plays the best at that time. So uh, things happen. I mean, really good football teams lose. The four yards didn't execute at a high level in week one. Now they have an opportunity to right the ship and do it right. 17-game seasons are long. They got 16 more to go ahead and prove that they're a playoff-caliber team. And all you want a ticket to get into the, the dance. Once you do, uh, it's a different season. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Dane says discipline. We have to be more disciplined, and, and then we'll win. I, I'm in agreement there. you know. And I think some of the penalties were lack of discipline. I think some were uh, erroneous. And then I think some were elements. And I think all those played into the fact the 49ers just had too many, though. You can't commit turn or penalties like that or turnovers like they did, especially when you're going to give a team a short field like the interception did. And, and that short field ended up turning into uh, points that pretty much put the game out of reach for the 49ers. But they had plenty of opportunities to make sure they didn't fall behind at all. Mr. Corey, I'm very interested in the center from Washington not sold on Brendel yet. I don't think we can be sold on Brendel. Uh, but I think we have some other options, including Daniel Brunskill once he gets healthy but he hasn't been getting healthy very very fast. He had a setback a couple weeks ago. I played that in the news update yesterday um, from Kyle Shannon that he had a setback and he's still looking to get back. And then, of course, you have uh, Blake Hance as well uh, that they brought in, and he could be a backup center as well. So I think they're trying to develop people all the while. I'm sure they're working on getting Nick Sakel ready, but I don't think he's going to be ready until 2023. So it looks like it's going to be Brendel unless something happens. Uh, so maybe. Uh, 49 Faithful Forever says, Ant, your previews on our opponents on Patreon are fire. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. I've been enjoying that, breaking down the team that we're about to play and the way to attack them. And Seattle definitely has uh, some things the 49 can attack. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. If you're over on Patreon, go check out the breakdown, the scouting report video. I broke down the Seattle versus Denver Broncos game, and it was a lot of fun, and it gives you an idea of what Kyle Shanahan and Chris Forster want to do in the run game for sure and how to attack. It's a lot of fun. So I hope you guys are real. I'm glad you're really enjoying that over there on Patreon. Uh, Mr. Corey says, Elijah Mitchell averaged 6.8 yards per carry behind the same line Sunday. He did. Uh, there is a difference between Elijah Mitchell and the other backs. It's the explosiveness. If you go and you watch the film, you can put it side by side, Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, and Elijah Mitchell. Even if you had a Jordan Mason one, Elijah Mitchell is getting to that second level faster. Recognition of hole faster. Uh, the explosiveness from zero to 100 is just faster. And the only guy who comes close to that is Debo Samuel. There's just something special about Elijah Mitchell. That's why he's a running back one and a potential Pro Bowl caliber player when healthy. 
Jeff Wilson Jr. is not that. Jeff Wilson Jr. is a volume carry guy. Uh, we don't know what we're going to get with the young guys yet. I've seen moments and flashes, but even then they don't have the explosiveness that Elijah Mitchell does. He's just special. And I think that's what we got to remember. This is going to be tough yards. There's going to be a lot of things they're really going to have to work through. So um, I think that, you know, it'll it'll be okay. They'll, they'll get it done. Um, but these running backs, we, we got to kind of be patient with them. I'm hoping Mason has a good opportunity uh, to get some carries in this game, but you don't know. It could be TDP. We just don't know what Kyle Shanahan is going to end up doing and, you know, what Anthony Lynn believes is the best option as well. Those guys are working together. Mosquito Killer says, if Brendel can't get his stuff together, Macy Brendel or Brunskill next week taking the center job. If Brunskill gets healthy, he could be the better option. Uh, the fact that Kyle keeps talking about he thought Brunskill was going to be ready, there's a an emphasis on Brunskill being available for this starting offense. I don't know if that's for center or if that's for guard. I thought, you know, Spencer Burford played pretty well overall, especially for a rookie. Um, but they're definitely interested in using Daniel Brunskill's skills. And I think you want him either if he's the, the number one guy in as the sixth offensive lineman or uh, if he's starting. But, yeah, he, he was a, a you know starting caliber player last year, so he's still a starting caliber player this year. What is up, Traffic? Welcome to chat. I hope you're having it uh, having a good one. 49ers Faithful says Jeff Wilson Jr. is a three-yard per carry guy at best. He could be. Um, that's that's the thing, right? He, I mean, he hasn't been able to equate himself to anything more than that since 2020. 2020, he did pretty good. Uh, the problems with Jeff Wilson Jr. is in 2021, he tore his meniscus. And last year, he did not have the explosiveness. He came back and helped his football team and did all the dirty work that Kyle Shanahan wanted him to do. Oh, you want me to go out there and you want me to go full speed and kick out an edge rusher? I'll do that. Oh, you want me to go in motion and, and kick out a defensive tackle? Okay, I'll go do that. Oh, you want me to pass protect? I'll go do that. You don't want me to carry the ball one time in the game, but use my body and put it on the line to help Elijah Mitchell, help Debo Samuel. Yeah, I'm going to do that. And those are things that coaches respect and like. And that's who Jeff Wilson Jr. is. So I think they're going to give him an opportunity. Now, uh, putting all cards on the table, I thought in training camp, Jeff Wilson Jr. looked more explosive than I had seen him since 2020. And his cutting ability was definitely better. Did not see that on display against the Chicago Bears. If he doesn't have it, it's going to be very evident in this game against the Seattle Seahawks. There's going to be lanes to run the football. Let's see if he can do it. I want to see what happens when he gets to the second level. But the differences between him and Elijah Mitchell getting to the second level are huge. Jeff Wilson Jr. gets to the second level when the linebacker gets there. Elijah Mitchell's already passed. There's a huge difference. It's a game of inches. And there's a difference between Jeff Wilson Jr. and Elijah Mitchell. I'm hoping, though, that he's going to be able to get schemed up and have a really good one. Um... Nathan says TDP will give us some plus. I hope so. I would love to see TDP run in this game as well. I I I love it. Even though I'm a huge fan of Marlon Mack, I kind of want to see the young guys. Uh, but if Marlon Mack's ready to go, I would have him you know ready over one of these rookies for the mere fact he understands where he's supposed to be and what he's supposed to do. And if something happens to Jeff Wilson Jr., you're not counting on two rookies. But you have a veteran presence in the room. I think that's very, very important. Roy says, I think we win this weekend. We forget to lose. We forgot to lose last weekend. Forget the loss last weekend. I think so too. I think they're going to win. I, I think it's going to be closer though. I think I predicted it on the game preview show. If you haven't watched that yet, go watch that. I predicted the game being 23-17 San Francisco. I think it stays close, but the 49ers end up winning. There's too many ways to attack the Seattle team. I think the Seattle, you know, strengths kind of match up with the 49ers strengths, but the Seattle weaknesses, the 49ers can definitely take advantage of. So I think it's one of those games that matchup-wise makes sense for the 49ers, especially the way they've improved in the secondary. As long as Noah Fant and Will Disley don't take advantage of the 49ers 
safeties. That is my concern. But as long as that doesn't happen, 49ers are going to be just, just fine. Uh, Ronnie says, Ant, did Greenlaw struggle? He did not struggle with run fits. What he struggled with was a little bit in coverage, and he struggled with overall just making a mistake as far as the face mask. Now, the one on the sideline hitting Justin Fields, I thought that one was kind of ticky-tack. Uh, you're in the rain. He didn't really make a lot of contact with him. He put his hands up. He wasn't trying to hit Justin Fields. I think the spirit of the rule, they wouldn't have called that. Uh, if that's a quarterback, it definitely doesn't get called. Now, Aziz Alshire definitely had a penalty on the hit from Justin Fields. Um, that one's legit. So I think Greenlaw had a couple of mental mistakes in this game. But overall, I thought he played good in run fits. And remember, he didn't play a lot last year. So let's see what happens as the rust gets knocked off. I think he's going to do better and better as the season progresses. He's still dealing with an elbow injury because he hasn't been going full go in practice. He's been limited in practice for weeks now. Um, so well, that's something to continue to monitor. But I did see Dre Greenlaw missing tackles, which I haven't seen him do in a long time. He needs to make sure he doesn't miss tackles because that's one of the things that the 49ers really count on is the fact that you know he's going to make tackles. He's a secure tackler. Misses uh, just under 5% of tackles, which is fantastic across the league. Uh, so that's one thing I want to keep seeing. <laughs> 49ers Faithful says, Kyle going to run Debo into a hammy injury. I'm, I was very surprised that Debo Samuel carried the, carried the amount of times he did in that game. I think it was uh, elevated, of course, by Elijah Mitchell getting hurt. Think of Elijah Mitchell wouldn't have got hurt. Not only would he rush for over 100 yards, but I think down the stretch, he would have been the finisher. He would have finished that game off and got close to 20 carries. But it doesn't work out because he got hurt. And they had to count on Debo Samuel for some of those. Of course, Debo punches one into the end zone, uh, running over the safety. So that was a nice play by him. But I think they're going to have to diversify this run game. The good news is the way that Seattle plays and the way that their edge rushers are and outside linebackers, you can take advantage of their size and speed. They're not big and physical to be able to set the edge. So as long as you get them moving, uh, you're going to create lanes to be able to run the football, create natural bubbles to be able to run. So I, I think that it still works out for the Niners, but we're going to have to monitor the usage of Debo Samuel. Luckily, we haven't had any tweaks with the hammy. Let's hope that never happens again. 49ers faithful. I don't want repeats of 2020. Mr. Corey says, anyone else in tears watching DJ Jones playing well for Denver Sunday? Uh, I enjoyed watching DJ Jones in that game. Uh, I mean, I miss him on the football team, but all I had to do then was go ahead and put on film of Javon Kinlaw because Javon Kinlaw had himself one heck of a game. He was extremely dominant on the interior, throwing people around. It's only going to get better. The better understanding he has of what the scheme is, what he's supposed to do in the scheme, and just overall the, the talent level he's going against, uh, he's going to flash. He's going to make plays. I mean, it was the first play of the game, the very first pass. Javon Kinlaw's in the face of Justin Fields. Uh, he's looking impressive, and that makes it a little bit easier. But, of course, it's never easy to, to lose a player of J, uh, DJ Jones's caliber. He's really, really good. Brad says, do you think Gray dresses this week, or does it depend on the weather? This would be an excellent week for Danny Gray to be able to play. Uh, the four-year might elect to go with Danny Gray. Malik Turner was the option last year, or last week. Uh, Malik, Malik Turner only logged one snap. So I think getting Danny Gray out there and letting him take the top off the defense is something the 49ers can do. The aggressive style you know, that Seattle plays with the pass rush uh, could make it difficult to get the ball downfield. However, there are hole shots. Jerry Judy was able to beat a slot receiver for a touchdown down the field. Also, uh, Broncos tight ends were able to beat linebackers. So have that threat, especially with no Jamal Adams, of Danny Gray going deep against these corners, especially inexperienced corners like they have, could be a good option. Put him out there on Tariq Woolen. 
Uh, they'll naturally want to put Diggs over the top and give Woolen help. They don't want a matchup of Danny Gray one-on-one with Woolen, even though the speed is comparable. Uh, Woolen doesn't cover and run like a 4-3 guy in coverage. He's still using his eyes. He's still unsure right now, and you can take advantage of that. So, yeah, I definitely would play him. Um, but the weather could play a part in that, Brad. So if he get, does get scratched, um, we'll see. Carson says, love Greenlaw, but better clean up because we have practice squad studs whose mouths are watering for a chance to play. Yeah, Greenlaw's not going anywhere. Greenlaw's going to definitely uh, clean it up. Fred Warner won't allow anything else. Fred Warner was in his, in his grill early in that game, letting him know, like, hey, we can't make these mistakes. The comments from Nick Bosa also go to signal that. So, yeah, not too worried about it overall. Um, 49ers Faithful Forever says Seattle has more weapons. They do have weapons, uh, that is for sure. But what they do is they have a limitation at quarterback. Geno Smith hasn't been willing to take the big shots downfield. And in fact, that's why the Denver Broncos started squatting on everything in the second half. Oh, you're going to throw everything short? It worked early on in the game. The broken play, of course, gets the touchdown. But then the, the across the board, Broncos just squatted on route. So unless he's willing to take shots down the field, which I pointed out some in my breakdown on Patreon, he wasn't willing to rip those balls in there. And if he's not, um, these 49ers are going to be able to jump passes and, and really put pressure on these wide receivers. You add in that if it is a rain game, a guy like DK Metcalf doesn't change direction very well. He's a straight-ahead speed guy. That could also be a little bit of a problem for him. Seth says, I'm starting, I'm starting Jeff Wilson Jr. in my fantasy lineup this week. This combo has been very disheartening. <laughs> I think Jeff Wilson Jr. will be okay. I think there's going to be opportunities because I think there's going to be holes. They're going to create holes. Carson says, whose roster is better, Bears or Sea Chickens? Um, I think as far as uh, certain positions, it kind of goes either way. I think as far as weapons-wise, like 49ers Faithful said, Seattle has more weapons. That's, that's the truth. Um, when it comes to other positions like defensive line, I think they have more established stars along the, the Bears' defensive front. Um, so I think that's different. Also, linebackers, Roquan Smith is better than the linebackers for Seattle. But... Uh, I mean, they got some good ones still, but it, it's tough. Uh, BB50 says, is George Kittle going to be a game-time decision? Um, I think they're going to make him a game-time decision again. I don't know if he's going to practice tomorrow. If he practices tomorrow, he could be in line to be able to play, but he's still not practicing. And as long as he's not practicing, he's missed five straight practices, it doesn't look like he's going to play. But Kyle did, said he was, did say he was close last week. He was close last week. You figure he's got to be a little bit closer this week. So I think they'll list him as questionable tomorrow, and then they'll make a game-time decision. Uh, with it being at home, they don't have to worry about travel or him going. So uh, they can wait until the last minute, and uh, I think that's what will happen. They'll wait till the last minute, and we'll find out you know, about an hour before the game starts if he's active or inactive. So we'll see. Mosquito Killer says, okay, so you think Mac could step in like that, and obviously, if ready? Um, if ready, yes. I mean, he's he's been in camp, right? He's not a guy off the street. He was with the Houston Texans all through training camp, all through the preseason. He logged snaps and reps. Then he was a part of their practice squad. So he was only out of practice for about a week. So he's a guy that's in shape and ready to go. It's all about understanding the offense. And I don't know if he understands the terminology of Kyle Shadan's offense or if Anthony Lynn can give him a crash course to get him ready. But he's a guy that understands what to do with the football in his hand and understands what to do with protections and things like that. So if he can pick it up, and there are guys that can do it, especially veteran players that have played for a couple of different teams, uh, if he could do it, he could step right in and be a veteran presence for your team. It was just last year the four-year were putting in Jacquez Patrick and uh, you know uh, Carry On as well, Carry On Johnson 
guys off the street that weren't really doing anything. So, yeah, I think he could. Um, do I think he would have a huge impact in, in week one? Probably not. Um, but I would love to see it. I mean, when you have veteran guys like that and a guy that's made and fit to fit Kyle Shanahan's system, I would give it a chance. Mr. Corey says, losing Elijah Mitchell sucks the way around it, but that's probably the only way we're going to get a steady diet of Mason or TDP. You're right. But that also means the run game changes. What's up, Darian? Uh, welcome to chat. It changes the run game because Jordan Mason and TDP aren't built like Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell in the toss plays to the outside, Elijah Mitchell's fantastic at it. Not only does he have the speed to put pressure on you to the outside and break uh, the pursuit angles of safeties and linebackers, uh, but also the vision to be able to cut back and find these little lanes that he can wiggle through. You don't have that with Jeff Wilson Jr., TDP, or Jordan Mason. Number one, they don't have the speed to put pressure on those guys and their angles. Number two, the toss play is not as dynamic with them because they don't have the speed to get the whole shot around the corner. Those are real problems, especially this week, because that's one area you can take advantage of with Seattle. Those edge players like to fly upfield pretty, pretty uh, quickly. But illustrated on film, when a wide receiver makes his splits and spacing come in tight, they don't always locate that receiver. So when Jawan Jennings lines up you know, just outside of that edge rusher in a yard or two uh, yard split off, off from the tight end or tackle, they can get down and crash that guy down, leaving lots of room to the outside. The quicker running back has a better opportunity to get out there and then have more area in which to use where he can go one way or the other depending on the blocking that's out in front of him. Blockers decide most of the time where a running back cuts. If he sees the numbers facing one way, he's going to cut off of that. Of course, you're locating other defenders as well. But that speed element is huge. That's why Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell were getting most of the carries to the outside in the sweep plays, the toss plays, in the outside zone. And then you run the other guys inside. So can you still have success with Jordan Mason and TDP without running outside zone and those toss plays? Yes. But then what you have to do is you have to kick that edge rusher out and run underneath. Use it, let him come upfield, take advantage of his aggressiveness, and then create a hole there. If he tries to squeeze it, you're going to have to move him out. Luckily for the 49ers, they have Mike McGlinchey, and Mike McGlinchey's fantastic in the run game. So can you do it? Yes, but it does definitely change the way you attack and the way you're able to di diversify your run game. So getting to the outside now, you have to lose, use Debo Samuel, probably Brandon Ayuk, and Ray Ray McLeod on those outside runs. Uh, it's a little bit different without Elijah Mitchell being able to play in those positions. So uh, just something to remember when we get different guys. Yeah, I mean, I want to see Jordan Mason run too. I want to see TDP. I want to see what they do. I want to see how they continue to elevate their game. It just changes your approach as a coach by the talent of the player that's there. And it's nothing against them. They're very talented players, but talented in different ways. So what are their strengths and how can I use it? Uh, Mosquito Killer says, I just need the ends to contain, especially against mobile quarterback. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's one of the things that's tough, especially you were, they were playing in their lanes. That's part of the reason they weren't having as much uh, sacks against Justin Fields is they had to bull rush. They had to stay in their lanes, try to prevent Justin Fields from getting around the outside. It didn't always work out. They didn't bring blitzes as much as I thought. They did bring Samuel Womack off the slot a couple of times, um, but there were times they just didn't get home. There was opportunities to get Justin Fields on the ground, and they were unable to do so. Geno Smith, at, not as athletic as Justin Fields, but he can definitely make something happen if you give him the opportunity. So you have to be a little bit a little bit careful. Uh, Fields says, Mitchell has been injured a bunch, worried about his future already. I think you have to. You know, I mean, I'm hoping he comes back and plays the rest of the year. 
but I'm a little, you know, a little worried. I'm just glad it was an MCL sprain and not worse. That hit, I mean, on his knee was tough. Uh, AK says, who do you th believe in more, TDP or Mason? Um, right now, I think it's too early to, to tell. I like them both. I think they have a similar style. They're both aggressive. They both like to get vertical. I think Jordan Mason's a little farther along in the process. He understands a little bit more uh, the kind of the elements of running. TDP still wants to stretch things a little bit farther outside before he cuts. Where Jordan Mason's more in the Elijah Mitchell at this point last year point where he's taking everything vertical. And I think I like that better from a running back early on in their development. Take everything vertical and then eventually you start to slowly uh, play it a little bit farther outside and realize you can take more ground. Um, but that's the coaching point, getting vertical. And Jordan Mason's definitely got the size to do it. But I think both guys can end up having an impact on this team this season. Uh, TDP's got a little bit more juice as far as speed. And I think Jordan's got Jordan Mason's got a little bit more uh, vision than TDP right now. But both guys have some definite things I'm excited about. So um, I, I want to see more of them. And I, I would be definitely excited to see uh, both of them play in this game. Brad Jones says, just expect... A, a ill-disciplined game every time we get Clay Martin officiating our games. I'm with you. I'm with you. Officiating does matter, you know, and the, the emphasis that these these uh, officials put on certain things is clear, and that's one thing the coaches do. They try to coach up their players. Hey, these are the things that this this uh, referee crew likes to call, and you have to be mindful of those things. It, it is. It's just something you have to do, a part of the game. AK says, will Mason overtake Mitchell this year? No. Uh, Elijah Mitchell's a special running back. He's a special player when healthy. The problem is he hasn't been able to stay healthy. But when he's out there, uh, six for six for forty eight, like he got, he looked really good. He would have easily went over hundred yards. I'm telling you, everything I saw from this guy in training camp, he's explosive. He's special. Elijah Mitchell's one of those guys. He's made of the right stuff, but just not healthy. You need him out there for sure. AK says the old toss play. Yeah, you gotta love it for sure. Uh, Mr. Corson, Mitchell was going for 1,510 healthy this season. His injury sucks. I'm with you. Uh, I'm definitely with you. So here we go. Higby says, having accelerating West Coast offense with more slant routes and screen plays. Um, or that's Luigi. I'm sorry, Luigi. Uh, I mean, yeah, you want to have more of the West Coast offense parts. The slants, they're there. Uh, they ran a couple to Juwan Jennings on different points in the game. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan doesn't really run a West Coast offense. I know a lot of times it kind of gets put in that light because Mike Shanahan ran, you know, a version of the West Coast offense when he came to San Francisco, you know, in the early nineties, but, uh, the Shanahan scheme is a little bit different. It's really based on the zone, the zone scheme and play action off that there are West Coast principles in everything around football because of Bill Walsh and his influence. But I mean, I think those influences are nice. But I think the RPO uh, was where you're going to see some of the slants. And the way that the 49ers are able to influence linebackers, interior linebackers to step up to try to stop the run is going to create some of those opportunities. We'll see if the 49ers take advantage of that against the Seattle Seahawks. Mr. Corey says, I want to see Mason, but I would have happily waited if it meant healthy Mitchell this year. I'm with you. I want to see Mason as well. I, I thought Mason would eventually earn a short yardage. I thought that's where he was going to be. I thought he was going to be using that category. And I thought... Slowly, you would see more of him and less of Jeff Wilson Jr. as he figured everything out. But, you know, that didn't happen. You know, it's the same thing last year with Elijah Mitchell. They planned on working him in. Then Raheem Moser goes down on the second play. So it's just one of those things where now it's happened. You have to pivot. You have to go another direction. And the Fournier's are trying to do the best they can. But the good thing is they keep drafting running backs so they have guys that are able and capable to play. 
I think that's a, a really good sign for the Niners. Um, uh, Murph says, would you trade away T. Higgins and J-Rob for Diggs? Oh, interesting. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't overall. Um, but, I mean, that's an interesting way to, to think about it for sure. But no, I wouldn't do that, Smurf. Uh, just wouldn't be willing to make that move. So anyways, we're still going through this right now. Thanks, everyone, for all the great questions. It's been fantastic so far. I've really, really been enjoying it. Um, and there's more, of course, comments. Everyone keeps throwing in comments, and they're really, really good in chat. So keep doing that. It is Q&A, so you can leave any question you want. Mr. Corey says, Mason is also a better receiver than TDP. Oh, I think Mason is very solid. They were splitting him out in training camp and letting him uh, operate on the outside. He does a good job. Uh, TDP's not terrible, uh, but Mason is definitely better than him for sure. Uh, and Fortnite Fizzle said, let's just talk about how good Kinlaw was. He was great. Kinlaw is really fantastic. Him and Eric Armstead are problems on the interior, and the 49ers defense absolutely stuffed the run game for the Chicago Bears. Uh, that was a great performance from them overall. I thought they did a really good job. I was excited about that interior run game. In fact, I was excited about that defense through the entire first half. Second half, we had the breakdowns, but there's still a lot to take away from this about how good this defense played overall. I think that's good news for the 49ers moving forward. You need that defense to play stout, and I think they proved that they can. So, Carson says, when Kinlaw went down, all of us were holding our breath. I know I was. Uh, I was actually excited when I saw him grabbing his ankle and foot area. I know I probably shouldn't be, but I was just glad it didn't have anything to do with the knee. Uh, he had an ankle sprain, but he was able to come back. I thought that was good. David V says, Burford was good too. Yeah, I think so. Spencer Burford did a pretty good job. So uh, it, Burford's one of those guys. He's continuing to get better. I've seen him do uh, some pickups on some linebackers and stuff. I like that. He's he's a smooth operator. He's able to anchor. I think he's going to be a, a good player for the 49ers for years. So that's a solid pick. Mr. Corey says, and whose fault was the blown coverage on Pettis, Greenlaw, or Hufanga? I say Greenlaw. Uh, my belief in that is that it was Hufanga. Hufanga had the deeper zone right there. Uh, Greenlaw is carrying the guy across the field. Hufanga should have stayed home. But I think both guys, looking back on it, wish they would have stayed home on Pettis. I think both of them figured Pettis would go with them. That's the natural way you're supposed to handle it as a wide receiver. You work back towards your quarterback. But uh, that was Hufanga. Now, the second one... Uh, the one where they got beat by St. Brown, uh, there was a broken coverage in two areas. There was a guy coming across the field wide open, and then, of course, you know St. Brown going to the middle of the field. Now, Hufanga's responsibility is deep third, uh, deep middle, so he should have took care of it, but uh, and that one's a tough one. He got caught in no man's land there. That's just a broken down, broken play. It wasn't great. And um, Brad Jones says, I love 40 minutes in the show. No talk about Trey Lance, and I'm, trip and I'm tipping a big game from him. Last year, Rob Parker said, uh, fire Kyle before the first uh, Rams game. And this year, said Trey sucks after the first game. Yeah, I think Trey's going to be just fine. And, and part of the reason, and what's up, Ernest? Welcome to chat. Part of the reason that Trey is going to be just fine is comments like this that he made in his presser this week. I mean, I, I'm the only one that touches the ball other than the center every single play. So uh, it's my decision most of the time where the ball goes. Uh how it gets there, um, things like that, pre-step, getting us in the right play, getting us in the right call, whether it's run game, pass game, uh, protections, whatever it may be. Uh, so I make the most, most of the decisions other than the, the play call with Kyle. Uh, so at the end of the day, I mean, I see it as there's, there was always pretty much a better answer. If I don't, you know, incomplete pass, whatever, there was always, you know, for me, going back and watching the tape, 
uh, there was always there's always an option or always a better answer um, unless you know it, we do make an explosive and I do make the right play, uh, but ball placement, little things like that that could have got us you know to third and two versus third and four, you know little things like that. Um, but yeah, going back and watch the tape, whether it's practice or a game, uh, I feel like that's like I said where, where I learn so much every single rep because uh, little things like that uh, can make all the difference, you know, in the long run, especially in a game like that. I like what he's saying. You know what I mean? Besides the center. I'm the guy with my with the ball in my hands. As far as everything else, everything that's going to happen off of it, it's on me. And then, you know, I'm looking at it. He's picking apart his game. He's trying to get better. He's being meticulous. I think that's how you have to go about it. I love the fact that Trey Lance is handling football and handling quarterback play that way. That's what you want from your, your young guy who's trying to learn. He's using every single situation to learn, not just the good plays, the bad plays, everything in between. Every single situation and every single play is an opportunity to get better. As long as he continues with that mindset, sky's the limit for him. He has the athletic tools. He has the ability. He's just got to keep getting better and better. Uh, so I think that, you know, that's one good thing about what Trey Lance does. He's got the right mindset. He really just gets it. Uh, I think he's made of the right stuff. I think he's going to figure this thing out. Everyone's just got to hang with him. I know it's kind of tough. And what's up, Niner Sickness? Welcome to chat. Ernest says, it was disappointing. I was looking forward to the start of the season for six months, and to see that kind of play was a little bit saddened. Um, yeah, I think you've got to take the good points, look at those, focus on those, and then realize lack of execution is really what happened. Now, can you fix those things? Yes. If you were getting outmatched, if your players just weren't good enough, they were getting dominated at the point of attack, that's when you get worried because you can't get better players during the season. Can you fix penalties? Yes. Can you fix turnovers? Yes. Can you fix execution problems? Yes. Uh, last year, the 49ers were two and four. Execution problems all over the place. You know what they did? They fixed it. You know what was hard to fix? Cornerback. They didn't have the right players for it. This year, they do. Uh, so having the right players is the, the first step, the most important step. After that, everything else can be fixed. So I think that's the main thing that I took away from all of it as far as the game goes. So uh, it, it's, it's really nice. And Thomas says, hey, guys, show some support and hit that like button. I really appreciate it. Thanks to everyone who does take the opportunity to like um, all the people that have commented, especially the ones. Thank you so much to like Jay Ellie uh, and Ernest as well for light or for commenting on the questions for Jay in the Bay for what's good. I really appreciate that. If you want to have one of your questions featured on what's good with Jay in the Bay that airs on Fridays, uh, go to the community page and leave a question. Your your question could be featured. And every week I'm going to do the same thing. He goes through those questions and he answers them. So if you want to have a question you want him to answer over there and just let them know uh 40 yards faithful says lance is 22 nothing but upside everybody gotta calm down haha <laughs> yeah lots of upside for him for sure i like trey um and and 40 yards gal says trey so different from kyler i agree the mindset is there the physical tools are there i mean kyler's got the physical tools but i don't know if his mindset is right but trey understands what he's supposed to do brad jones says how did you rate trey's game Take out the fourth quarter with that rain. Can't judge him on that. And it looked like the ball slipped out of his hand for the interception. I only didn't like four throws. Yeah, I mean, I think Trey is one of those things where Trey had tremendous throws. Uh, the throw to Brandon Ayuk on the crosser where he throws it over the top of the defender and then underneath the safety, fantastic. He makes the same throw to Raymond McLeod later. Those are big-time throws. A throw down the field to Jawan Jennings. So you see he can make these big-time throws and big-time plays. There's also misses, you know, opportunities that he had where maybe he got rid of the ball a tick too quickly and he had another receiver. 
Uh, there's there's things like that. There's also times he didn't get his feet set or he had happy feet, so he wasn't able to get set. Those are things he's got to work on. But overall, I thought it was a solid performance for a young quarterback, especially in the elements uh, and, and playing in his first start of the season. I, I look for him to get better. I look for his completion percentage to get better. Uh, but the interception in the in your own side of the field is definitely something he has to handle. You have to make sure you locate that defender. He said he recognized the coverage. He recognized he was robber. The cover one robber. He knows what he's got. Um, yet he still did not locate Eddie Jackson, and Jackson comes up with the interception. Was it a great play? Absolutely. But that's one thing you have to do as a quarterback. You're not reading your wide receivers. That's a misconception. When you drop back to pass, you're not looking for your wide out. You're looking for the defenders. Those defenders are going to signal to you who's open. Then you locate your receiver when you're throwing the football. So it's it's at the end that you do that. The rest of the time you're reading the coverage. You're supposed to know where your receivers are going to be, and it's their job to get there. Um, so I thought Trey did a pretty good job. I thought that there were some things he needs to clean up, but then there were some tremendous moments where you're like, okay, there's tremendous upside here. I like it. Brad Jones says, uh, the crossed one, obviously, and the third down missed passes to Debo and Jennings, and the finally the final pass at the end of the first half. Yeah, the crossed one, I think, is the most egregious because that's something consistently, right, that we've had problems with, whether it was Jimmy Garoppolo or Mullins or Bethard, just missing those throws. When you have a, a touchdown in waiting, Tyler Croft was open for a touchdown and Trey missed him. And it wasn't a, a small miss. It was a big miss. Um, not as big as Jimmy Garoppolo missing Kyle Juszczyk last year, but it's still a big miss. And a lot of it is because, you know, he just didn't get set right. Uh, so I'm hoping Trey ends up making those plays because those are the kinds we're going to need. Uh, Sean says, always agreeing with coach, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Always appreciate uh, coach's point of view. Sean says, I hope all of our running backs ball out. I'm hoping so, too. I'm with you, Sean. Uh, Mr. Corey says, hey, how about our boy Burford then telling you he's our second best offensive lineman? I don't think he's the second best yet, uh, but by the end of the year, we could relook at this conversation because I think he's going to get so much better during the year. But I think right now, Mike McGlinchey still the second best offensive lineman on the team, especially because his run blocking is tremendous. Now, did he get beat on the inside by Dominique Robinson? Absolutely, he did. Uh, and that's something you're going to get from Mike McGlinchey. Speed rushers are a problem. This week, not tailor-made for Mike McGlinchey to have good pass sets, traditional pass sets against the Seahawks defense. They need to be able to run the football to help Mike McGlinchey. They need to be able to move the pocket to help Mike McGlinchey. Now, Trey Lance being able to use the zone read concept to freeze those edge rushers could be very beneficial to Mike McGlinchey. So I'm hoping the 49ers do that. I'm sure they will. They understand the weaknesses of their, their players. And now they just got to put them in the best situation to be successful. So uh, those are things to watch. If we get in third and longs, those aren't good for Mike McGlinchey in this game. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't happen very often. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Uh, Mr. Corey said, I gave Trey a C-. minus. I didn't really grade him. I'll be honest. I was talking to uh, Jay Hill about this on the Ant Hill Show. And I said, you know, I want to take another week before I grade him. Because, you know, some I want to know how much was elements. You know, he was with, working within his framework. but. Was he really getting the stride that was necessary? Was he worried about the rain? How was the footing? I don't know. You know, I don't know how the ball was coming out of, you know, out of his hand with the rain. There's a lot of things that were playing into it. And even when it's not raining, there's still a wet ball because the grass is wet. So I think I want to wait, take a look. And then after this game, I'm going to give a grade. Now it's going to rain again. So I'm going to have to grade him on two rain performances, but at least they're consistent performances because there'll be rain in each one. But I, I just wanted to take a time, you know, and really just wait on it. Uh, uh, for your faithful, this is Mike's big Mike's last year. It could be, 
Uh, it really could be for the mere fact that you probably not going to want to pay him what he's going to want. Um, he's still one of the best run blockers in the league, but the 49ers have proven they like to go with cheaper options along the offensive line and drafting someone or signing someone that's cheaper. Uh, it could make a lot of sense, you know, and, and maybe they already have someone like Blake Hance who ends up taking over or, or Colton McKivitz, or maybe it's one of those guys. Uh, we'll see. Maybe it's Daniel Brunskill. He's a cheaper option than Mike McGlinchey. He's making 2.4 million this year. Where Mike McGlinchey's making over 10 million. The difference is huge. How much difference would there be in play? Well, McGlinchey's a fantastic run blocker. Brunskill's okay. Um, so you would lose something there. Now you would be better in pass blocking than McGlinchey. So you kind of got your your give and take. Uh, David V says Burford allowed zero pressures. That's true. Burford did allow zero pressures, um, but there was some missed blocks in the run game, uh, and that's you know a place that he needs to get better at. But I think you could look at every single one of those guys and find plays that they need to get better at, and then outstanding plays as well. So uh, young guys are going to make mistakes. We just kind of got to live with it. And the truth is, as an, as offensive linemen, you're going to make mistakes every game, and all of them are going to be highlighted because they end up impacting the game in some way or shape or form. You're just hoping it doesn't make a big impact. There's not very many Trent Williams that can go through a game without having one single thing impact your team. Those don't happen very often. That's why he's an all-pro. That's why he's a, a potential Hall of Fame player. Uh, the rest of the offensive linemen are just trying to stack good reps. They're trying to have you know five, six good plays before they have a bad one or eight to 10 plays before they have a bad one. That's their goal. And uh, that's what they're all working towards. Just consistency, consistently getting better. Shane says, how many sacks in this game I say 3.2 uh, from Bosa, uh, one, from, one from Kinlaw. Um, I think that they have an opportunity to get after Geno Smith. Now, Geno's going to want to get rid of this football early. If the 49ers go up and press, and they really squat on a lot of these routes, and then D'Amico Ryans confuses him with shell coverages, showing one thing and then going and doing another, I think they have the opportunity to confuse Geno, make him hold on the ball, and then potentially get some sacks. So that's how I think the 49ers could go about it. Um, but they're going to have to work really hard to make it happen. Uh, Fortnite Faithful says, much rather see Armstead get sack or two. He struggled big time last week. He played so good against the run. Eric Armstead played very good against the run, uh, taking on double teams. I mean, he would just didn't give ground. Hassan Ridgeway was the same way. But I mean, yeah, I want to see Armstead get sacks from the interior because I really want him to start getting, you know, uh, some appreciation for what he does on the inside. But we'll see how it ends up you know, working out. But I think early on, these teams are going to try to double-team Kinlaw and double-team Armstead and push them into the linebackers. They can hold their ground. There's going to be lots of opportunities for Armstead to be able to get sacks on third and long. Uh, Shane says, I would like to see Hyder get a sack. Yeah, we'll see what this rotation looks like, especially with Kamoko Ture coming up. Uh, Kamoko Ture is going to come up, and he's going to be a part of this 49ers defensive rotation as well. Jordan Wilson didn't play last week. It was a healthy scratch. Uh, so let's see if Teray ends up getting into that rotation. It's going to be curious. Uh, everyone, I hope you're going to enjoy watching this game tonight. I know I'm looking forward to catching a quick glimpse of it. Plus, we have a little bit of a fair in our town, so I think I'm going to go down there uh, with my girlfriend and go check out the fair a little bit. So I hope everyone has a good night. I really enjoyed this show, and I'm looking forward to having a lot a good conversation with you guys after the Niners win and we have a nice reaction show. So join me for the reaction show, but also join the channel tomorrow. A new episode of Cover 2. Me and Warren go over a bunch of different topics. And then what's good with Jay in the Bay also coming up tomorrow at 1 p.m. So check those out. And then Saturday, what's the game plan? I get deeper into the X's and O's, take some of the things I learned from the film 
and tell you exactly how I expect Kyle Shanahan and D'Amico Ryan to attack the Seahawks and what their advantages are. So thank you guys so much for watching. I hope you all have a good night. Stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers.